to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast. You are about to listen to my mom. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like it, please give it five stars. Thank you. and welcome to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast. I'm Sarah Smith, your host, and I'm so excited today to be joined by Deanna Kirk. She is a mom of two, grandma of five, author of the book, Nothing Ever Wasted, the CEO of Deanna Kirk Enterprises, co-founder of Mornings in the Word, and the host of Nothing Ever Wasted podcast. Oh, as well as she just started a nonprofit called Divine Connections. Welcome to the podcast, Diana. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor to be here today. Thank you for coming on. Um, How are you? You know, I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. I had an interesting weekend, but today it's beautiful. I'm in Texas and the weather's beautiful here today. So, hey, I'm good. Oh, that's nice. I'm in Connecticut and it's freezing every single day. (laughs) It's just cold. That's that's the only way I can describe it. Cold. Um, I'm from Minnesota, so I get that. Okay, you understand. Uh, So you have custody of your grandson. And I'm just curious, is he doing um, school from home? Or is he? So is he doing the remote learning? Or is he in person for school? So he he returned in person, I believe in September. And so he was he's really he's a people person. And so he was starting to kind of get really kind of sad and even kind of depressed. And so the school gave us the option to homeschool, let him come back. So I spoke to his teacher. And at that point, I think it was only like eight to 10 kids back in his classroom. And so I let him go back and he's doing great. But it was a really it was a really hard um, decision. But I just felt like for his mental health, I needed to do that. Like my youngest son, Lavelle, he would have been fine at home, never going back. But but the personality of my grandson, um, he needs to go back and it's going good. But like today he came home and he got like a stuffy nose. And then you just like, OK, you're getting sick. What's going on? Like <laughs> freaking out. Like, OK, do you have a fever? And so but we're, we're doing it. No, I hear you. We started out my I have three kids. So two of them started out um, at home and the school gave an option, but we're like, no, they will not be guinea pigs. We will wait to see how everybody else does first. So we let, so we, so we waited about six weeks and the same thing, my kids, it, it was not good for them to be home at all. So now they're in person and it's working and the schools are doing a great job keeping them safe. Yeah, that's, exact, that's exactly what I did. Waited that first six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I came across you recently on Clubhouse and I was truly touched by your story. Your story is truly a story of an overcomer. Um, The other day you posted on your Instagram that nothing is ever wasted. You could not have told me the 14 year old me in foster care 30 years ago that I would be here spending the weekend with girls in foster care. It's not about just overcoming. It is about going back and helping others overcome. Can you share your story and all that you've been through in order to be able to write that post? Yes. So I wrote that post because I actually, and I, and I talk about this in my book. And and so I'm not sure if you heard me speak, but I was, I had a really pretty rough childhood, um, was kind of violated as a child and actually became a um, mother. By the time I was 12 years old, I became a mom. 
And so my mom was with a husband that was abusive, who had violated me, who had abused her. And she left him, which is how um, we ended up in Minnesota by the time I was 14. She found several times she left, but this time it landed us in Minnesota. And I had one of my aunts told me that she was going to return to him. And so I had a two year old at that point and we were in Minnesota and I just I had a decision to make. So I decided I had one counselor that I could really talk to. Actually, I had a couple because I was in the teen parent program. And then I had a like it, I was in Minnesota. So it was like it was one black person in the school faculty. And she was a calendar. And so I just went to both of them and just told them my story and everything that had happened to me and that my mom was returning to her abuser and I didn't want to go back. And so at that point, they worked together and immediately that day. Uh, got me into foster care, me and, and my son. Um, I was the one officially in foster care and he was my son. And so I ended up in foster care that day. And it really just, that point really changed my life because um, I called these divine connections along the way, which was like this counselor and then my foster mom and then these different people who have came along beside me throughout my life. And so I ended up in foster care and um, by 16, I was emancipated and she actually helped me get my first apartment and I messed that up. <laughs> and by 16, I had a four-year-old and ended up and was homeless and ended up in this um, transitional housing program. But that post was about that. You know, I just remember my, so she did go back and my siblings went back and I had family here that I had just met in Minnesota that I had just met um, some cousins and some like great aunts, but I was pretty much by myself here and still just going to school and in foster care and I remember just being angry and having to go to like anger management cl uh, classes and just a lot going on. And so I was sitting this weekend when I did that post, I was doing respite care in a group home for, for young girls. And, you know, and they have different things. They've been abused. They've been sex trafficked. Um, they've been in trouble themselves. And so I was spending the weekend with these girls and I had a moment and I was just like, wow, I'm just at 14 years old, you know. I never would have thought that 30 years later, you know, that I would be now working with these, you know, doing respite care in these homes, going into the juvenile facilities and things like that. So I was just reflecting in that moment when I did that post, because I really do believe that everything we go through is for a reason. If we overcome it, it's because the people that we've been called to. But at 14, I didn't get it. Why everything that had happened to me at that point had happened. Um, I didn't get why, you know, my mom was going back. I didn't get why I had to be in foster care, had to be in Minnesota, you know, by myself. But I think that because I went through that, I'm able to then have conversations with young girls and other girls and say, you know what? Yes, everything that's happened to you is not your fault. It's not fair. But you know what? You can overcome it. You can make it through it. Because, you know, I've been through the same thing, too, but I was still able to graduate from high school. I was still able to you know, uh, on my home. I was still able to run businesses. I was still able to help other people. And so that's what that post was from. Now, how were you able to get to that point where you are able to share or are able to overcome? How, what led you to that process? I'm sure it wasn't an overnight process, but what exactly was your process? So, you know, I think just along the way, um, because of the work that I've done where I've always worked. So that program for homeless women that I ended up in at 16 years old, um, I ended up becoming the executive director of that program. Wow. And so throughout that journey, I individually and through groups, 
talked to a lot of women, worked with a lot of women, shared my story with a lot of women and young girls. Then I went into like housing and worked with a lot of teen moms. And so one-on-one, I've always kind of shared my story and encouraged girls, worked with girls, mentored girls. But actually in 2017, uh, my mother decided to go back to her. She had left him again. She left him. We had our relationship. We had reconciled. She was actually living with me. I had moved to here in 2015. She was living with me from Texas, here in Texas. And we had a really great relationship. Well, in 2017, he got out of prison and she went back to him. And it was was devastating, uh, to say the least. And so at that point, I had to tell my kids um, things that they didn't, they, that I never wanted to tell them. Right. And um, it ended up working out because, and, and my nephews and my family, and we ended up having to have these conversations where I had to tell them. And through that healing process, I began to write. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up like writing the book and then started speaking and sharing my story more. But it was because, but years of things that I had, you know, what is it, suppressed memories, you know, just kind of when she would, when that happened, it just started flooding in. And so I had to write and journal and talk to people to deal with that. And that's kind of how I ended up sharing um, my story, I guess, on a bigger, on a bigger stage. Who or what has been your biggest support system through it all? Because you said it's at 14, you were in a shelter in foster care. Mm-hmm. And so was it your foster care mother who was able to help you? Um, and were you able to keep your son with you? I was. So my son was, he's always been with me. Um, you know, I believe there's been different people along the way. Cause like when I was younger, when I, when I first got uh, violated and my mom didn't leave him, my aunt actually took me in. And so, you know, so I, my aunt showed up and then I had like, I, I was in a teen parent program and, and, and then I had someone there, Jody, and then my foster mom, Heather and Tony, my counselor. And then I went to this transitional housing program and there was Michelle. And so, so I feel like I'm a lot to handle, but along the way, even though I had walked away from the church, uh, unfortunately, because the church was, when I got pregnant at 12, it was a horrible experience the way I was treated. And so I didn't want to have anything to do with the church. Or, and so I had walked away from the church, but God still sent angels along the way that kind of brought me through all of this. And then most recently, um, since I moved to Texas, I had this amazing sisterhood. These women that I, you know, do mornings and work with, work, we do Bible study every morning at 530 and so with my church coming back to Christ, getting some amazing church sisters that um, that we used to surround each other. And that's how I get through everything, you know, because I have a I have an amazing um, sister circle. I mean, that's so important. So important. What has been your biggest lesson from your past? You know, I think that. It, that you will get over it. You know, I think that you go through some things and you think I'm never going to get over this. And I feel like I spent so much time um, be, dwelling on different things. I spent so much time being depressed, being ashamed. And um, and so I really think that the biggest lessons that I learned is this too shall pass, mm-hmm. you know? And I would say that. And so I feel like there was moments, like especially when I had my son at 12, that there was, I was so ashamed. Uh, that I, I didn't even I didn't even enjoy those moments, 
or there's some things that happened to me to me throughout my life that I feel like I was doing with so much shame or guilt or anxiety that I missed a moment, you know. And so that's what my my pastor Brady is my pastor Cheryl Brady, and she has a book there, "Don't Miss the Moment." Mm-hmm. And so I think I missed so many moments. And so that that was the biggest lesson learned is don't miss the moment, don't dwell on it, just enjoy it, you know. It's, I feel like it's so hard when we're going through something to just remember to not miss whatever it is in front of us. It, what would you say was the biggest moment that you did miss? Definitely when my when my first son, um, I would say definitely having him, um, ju- just having him, just those moments. I, I, I write in my book that I feel like some of his moments were hijacked for me. Like I remember his first Christmas and his abuser um, was holding him under the tree because my mom was still with him at that point and she had made me come home. And so like, I just remember that whole day just being miserable. And when I look back at it, it's like, but I look at my son and that was his first Christmas. Mm. And so it's, it's this moments like that where I feel like I just, I, I missed them. You know, I had amazing moments, even when I reflect, you know, hindsight is, is, is 2020. And so even when I look back and being in my foster mom, and I remember she was just surrounded by books and reading and having these amazing conversations with her. And she just opened my eyes and changed my life. But I was so angry in that moment because I didn't want to be there that I, I missed those moments. And now don't get me wrong, when I, I, I picked them up later, so I, I appreciate them later. But just I spent so much time being mad. I spent so much time being angry. Unforgiveness definitely is a purpose blocker. I, I, that is one of the biggest lessons I learned. I spent so much time being angry at people who had moved on with their life. You know, I remember being angry with some people at the church because some comments they made to me and then coming back to Texas and seeing them. And they had no idea how they impacted me. So I spent so I feel like that when you spend so many years being angry at people and unforgiving them, you forgive people, of course, for yourself. And I was the only one suffering and my children were suffering, but not the people who had hurt me. And so the, the, actually, I'm going to change that. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is to forgive as quickly as you can. And I used to say, you know what? Don't let anyone rush you. Like forgiveness is your journey. Don't let anyone rush you. Forgiveness is, does not necessarily mean reconciliation. And recently, last year, my mom was murdered. And um, and we were just on the road to recovery and trying to figure out what our relationship was going to be because she was he was still in her life. But I wanted her back in my life because I had decided that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to let him take her from me again. And in that, as we were healing, so slowly we were reconciling, slowly we were figuring it out. But we, we had became best friends and we wasn't back. And I, I, you think that you have all the time in the world. Right. But then she's taken from me the year before that. My daddy um, was all had overdosed. And I had reconciled with him a few years prior because he was never really in my life, you know, because of the life that he led. And so I was happy for that reconciliation with him. But now I say, especially if it's your parents, your siblings, your children, someone close to you, if you ever plan on reconciling with them, I say do it immediately as quick as you can, um, because tomorrow is not promised. And I learned that the hard way. And so if some people that, you know, you forgive them for you, you plan on never um, reconciling with them. They're not going to be in your life. They did things to you. You don't have nothing to do with it. Forgive them for you. Don't hold that anger. You know, but don't let them steal your joy. Don't let them take another moment. But if it's people in your life that you want to reconcile with one day that you plan on, I say just do it now because you think that you have all this time. And I've learned the hard way that you don't.
did or what does forgiveness look like to you? Like, what did it look like for you? Forgiveness to me looked like not um, not being angry, not letting them take up any more of no any more of my headspace, not letting them to uh, take my joy. It looked like fighting for my peace, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and that's what it looked like. Just decide that you know what you don't get to have this brain space today. I'm not going to dwell on this today. You're not going to steal my joy today. So that's what it looks like. And then it also, um, and so that's what people that you're necessarily not going to reconcile with. But I think that when it comes to reconciliation, uh, forgiveness looks like sitting down, having those hard conversations, uh, both of you stating your truth and then figuring out what your relationship is going to look like. And understanding that it might not look like what it used to look like, but that there's still going to be one. And so, and then being willing to do the work. Right. And, and forgiveness looks like forgiving some people over and over again, every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it looks like, but it, it's really, it's a decision. It is. It's a hard decision. Yeah. Now you are a mom, you, you were a mom at 12, you're a grandmother of five. I am. And you graduated from college. I did. And you have all these businesses. I'm sure that so many people wrote you off. However, you are truly a story of overcoming. Can you explain how you went from basically homelessness to foster care to owning all these businesses as well as you're becoming a minister, correct? I am. I finished ministry school, but because of COVID, I haven't graduated. Congratulations. But I did. I did. Your story is so inspiring. Can you explain <laughs> like how one could do all everything that you're doing? And you're taking care of your grandson. You have custody. I am. I do. You know, well, first, I just have to say that it's because of the grace of God. Because yes. I really believe that he, I mean, he kept me even when I didn't want to be kept. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I clearly know that. And, and I think it's, it's about the people also next that was just surrounded me that didn't get up, give up on me. A lot of people gave up on me, mm-hmm. but the people that I least suspected didn't, you know, and it seemed like throughout my life, there was always one person uh, that said, you know what, you can do this. You got this, was willing to come beside me, was willing to teach me something, was willing to answer the phone. And then also for my son, you know, I, I was so, I was motivated by that. You know, that I just, I think for, I went through a season, to be honest, I believe I was motivated by pure rage just to prove people mm-hmm. wrong. Right. You know, and so I think in different seasons, I was motivated by different things. I remember I had got a full, sc- I graduated with a full scholarship to University of Minnesota. After two years, they cut my living stipend, stipend. And so I quit. I quit the school. But then when my son, uh, he was a teenager and we were talking about going to college, and he was like, well, you didn't even graduate from college. So, I would, I would, now by that time I was executive director, I was building affordable housing. I didn't, I didn't need the degree uh, with the work that I was doing, but I went back just to prove a point to him, you know? And so I think, so I think along the way people have came beside me, God has had grace and mercy toward me. And, um, and that's how I've been able to do it. And so, I, and I've found things in different seasons to motivate me. You know, I started my nonprofit divine connections this year in April after my mom was murdered in February, because when I used to always talk to her about that, I wanted to start a house for teen moms and work with teen girls. And we would talk about it. And so I said, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to call it Annie's place. And I'm going to do it in her honor. Mm -hmm. So that's motivating me right now. You know, 
I had to, um, I was working in housing and, and overseeing housing program for like homeless people and battered women and with one of the biggest housing authorities. But then I needed to get custody of my grandson and I was commuting every day over an hour. Um, and so in 20, and he just, I would be the last one picking him up from the boys and girls club. And he would just be like, I didn't think you were going to come. And one day I just said, you know what? I'm just, I choose my family this time because to be honest, for years, I used to choose my job Mm -hmm. and, um, and I, and I, and I chose him and I just went out on faith and became just a full-time entrepreneur. Cause I've always had contracts where I help people, um, with different things, you know, especially with finances or the nonprofits. But I I just stepped out on faith and decided I was going to be him, be here for my grandson this season because he needed me. And that's how I ended up becoming becoming a full time entrepreneur. And so different things and different seasons motivate me. I love it. I love it. What would you say to someone who is going through a challenging time? whether it be trauma, homelessness, um, teen mom, anything? You know, I think I would say that this too shall pass. Um, I think that I find every day I try, I find something to be grateful for, you know, because what I have learned even this weekend that you will find out, you know, I was able to say one of my gratitude things to say, well, yes, I was in foster care, but you know what? At least I wasn't sex trafficked. You know, or, you know, so you always, there's always someone that's worshiping you. So every day I first just find something to be grateful for. And then I think I had to make some decisions. I had to let some people go that I was making bad decisions with throughout my life. So I say, you know what, I always say, check out your front row, you know, evaluate your circle. Because I'm sure that there's some, usually there's some person, one person, it might be a person that you least expect, don't look like you, don't talk about you, but they are willing to just come beside you. And so, you know, a lot of times I've, I've had to humble myself. I've had to ask for help. And so it depends on the situation, what advice I would give. But those are just some things that I've had to do in different seasons to overcome. You know, I had to, I had to evaluate my circle. I had to humble myself. I had to ask for help. I had to be honest with myself. And, um, and then just know, find something, though, to be grateful for. That's, I, that's how I keep getting up. And usually if you look around, there's someone that's looking to you that needs you, you know, especially especially as women, but for men as well. Usually there's kids or nieces or nephews or siblings or someone. They need you to survive, right? They need you mm-hmm. to make it. And, and so use that, find whatever that thing is and, and use that to motivate yourself and to keep going and get help. You know, trauma is hard. Grief is hard. Get counseling. Join a group. You know, whatever it is that you need, talk to somebody. But but get get help. Get professional help. Now you are such a busy person um, with everything that you have going on. Do you ever find time for self care? And if so, what what do you do? I do. Well, I, I like to travel and COVID kind of, you know, messed that up a little bit. It's so upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. And when I, when I shut it down, I shut it down. Like I, even for Christmas, I went to Minnesota and I was just at my friend's house, but I, I shut it down. Um, but I also, I get up really early in the morning, you know, so I get up, let's say at five in the morning and we start Bible study at five thirty. but for that 30 minutes, I'm, I might be praying. I might be worshiping, uh, journaling, or whatever throughout the day because I am an entrepreneur. So like throughout the day when I find it's too much, I take time out um, and I meditate, I worship, 
Um, I might go outside. I have an amazing backyard. I might sit in the backyard. And so I find something to do. You know, before we got on this call, I, I meditated before my grandson got home. At 3.30, I looked up. And so, I, you know, I meditated. I played worship. I lit a candle. I made me some lavender tea to prepare myself for this call. And so I, I find moments. And it don't matter. I definitely do it in the morning. But throughout the day, if I can get it at 12, I can get it at 10 or 3 whenever I need it. Whenever I find a good place to pause, I pause. I color. That's my newest thing. Yes. Like it's so, I, isn't it like therapy? Like you just, yes. so soothing. Yes. So at the end of my day, night, I usually like, you know, me and actually all about, we all have color. Me, me and my whole circle, we send each other pictures, but we color scripture. And so lately I've been doing a lot of coloring. So. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Deanna, for sharing your story with me and my listeners. Um, I know that many will feel very inspired and blessed by your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having yes, me. Yes, you're truly an overcomer. <laughs> you thank are an you. overcomer. Thank you. And I'm sure all your listeners are too. We all are. We all have overcome something. So I appreciate it. You have just listened to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast with my mom. I hope you enjoy listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked it, please give it five stars. Thank you.